Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. In verse 27, we see that the Levites are gathered. Now, they were the ones that oversaw the worship and the religious life of the people of Israel. In verse 28, we see that the singers are gathered together. And in verse 30, Nehemiah gathers the leaders, he gathers the people together at the walls. And they are now going to dedicate these walls to God. It's all been for God. And what Nehemiah does is he divides the people into two choirs. He divides them into two different sets of people. Now, in those choirs, there are singers, there's lay leadership, there's priestly leadership, and they are balanced groups, balanced choirs, if you like, worshipful groups that are now going to walk the walls and dedicate what has been built to the Lord. Because after all, it has all been for the Lord. And more specifically, it's all been about His worship. It's all been built for His worship. And Nehemiah sets these two choirs off along the walls. You see, one choir he sends one way, and the next choir he sends the other way. And they walk the walls, and they finally meet in one place. They finally meet in the house of God. They come together in worship. And we read in verse 43, and they gathered, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far, 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 far away. This had all been for worship. This had all been for the worship of God. And that's what we see in this passage. The walls of Jerusalem had been rebuilt. The city had been rebuilt so that Jerusalem could be a city of worship to the Most High God. They built because of worship. They labored for worship. Their mission was for worship. The ultimate goal and aim was to bring about worship. Jerusalem had been rebuilt because Jerusalem was to be a city where the name of God would be made famous. The walls of Jerusalem had been rebuilt because Jerusalem was to be a city where the laws of God were followed where God would be completely in charge, where he would be God. And that's what worship is at the end of the day. Worship is all about submitting every area of our life under the lordship of Christ Jesus. Amen? We can limit our understanding of worship by thinking it's just what we do here on a Friday morning, but it's more than that. It's about us enjoying God in every area of our life, being satisfied in him, He being the total source of satisfaction, the sole source of satisfaction in our life, and us bringing every area of our lives, from our finances to our families to our work, under the lordship of Christ Jesus. That is what worship is all about. Jerusalem was to be a city where the laws of God were followed, a city of worship. And Jerusalem was built, rebuilt, in order to be a light to the nations around them. It was heard far, far away. You see, Jerusalem would call the nations around into worship to God. They would call the nations into this this experience of being full of the joy of the Lord, of enjoying God 
of knowing his greatness, his beauty, his majesty, and of him being the Lord of their lives. Jerusalem was built to call others into this experience of worship. It was all about worship. The work of building had come to an end. The work had finished. The tools had been laid down. The mission, if you like, of Nehemiah and the people was now coming to a completion. But worship would continue for all time. Worship would go on. When the working finished, the worship would continue. When the building finished, the worship would continue. Building is temporary. Mission is temporary. But the worship of the Most High God is eternal. My voice sounds deeper than normal today, doesn't it? Becoming more manly all the time, that's what it is. Now today, what I want to do is remind us as a people of why we do what we do. I want to remind us why it is that we call you, why it is that we call one another to build a missional church in this city. Why is it that we call upon us as a church to go and reach the ends of the earth, to reach the nations? Why is it that we do what we do? I want to remind us why it is. It's not primarily because it's good for us, although it is good for us. It's not primarily because it's good for our city, although it is very good for our city. And it's not primarily because it's good for the nations, although it is, prim- it is good, it's very, very good for the nations. The reason we build The reason that we build missional churches that reach our cities and reach the ends of the earth is because God deserves worship. It's because God will be, should be worshipped as the one true God. He deserves it all. We sang this morning, we're coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about Jesus. Well, actually, the heart of our mission, the heart of our building is also about Jesus. It's for his worship. God is the one who is worthy of our adoration. He is the one that is worthy of our praise, our sacrifice, worthy of everything. And he is the one in whom we find our soul's satisfaction. He is the one that we find joy and enjoyment and pleasure forevermore. And we build right now in order to call in many multitudes into this experience of enjoyment and worship of God. That is our aim. It's worship. Nehemiah built for worship. We build so that God will have the worship due his name. And just like Nehemiah and his gang of builders, one day our mission will come to an end. One day our building of the kingdom, the building of the church will come to an end. Our mission to reach the nations will come to an end. It's not going to last forever. It's not eternal. Building is not eternal. Reaching the nations is not eternal. Mission is not eternal. But one day it will come to an end. But worship never will. We will continue to worship for eternity. And what we will see, what we see in verse 43, where Jerusalem, they come together and they worship and they are full of joy in the Lord and it's heard far, far, far away. We will see that in an even greater measure when this age comes to an end and eternity begins. We will stand, building will come to an end, mission will come to an end, but we will stand with many multitudes from all tribes, all nations, all tongues, and we will be full of joy, and we will worship the King forever. 
Amen? That's what we are doing. That's, that's why we are doing it. Every tribe and tongue will come into the joyous worship of God and His Son. God uses ordinary people. Nehemiah uses ordinary people. And what I want to do this morning is look at these ordinary people who gave up so much and who gave their lives and who sacrificed in order to build so that Jerusalem could be a city of worship, so that worship could ring out to the nations around them. The story of Nehemiah really is a story about ordinary people like you and ordinary people like me building in order so that God could have the worship do his name. That's what it's about. It's about ordinary people sacrificing for the purpose of worship of God. And still today, God uses ordinary people. Just like Nehemiah built with ordinary people, God builds with ordinary people. He calls us to partner with him. He doesn't need us. He's not served by human hands. And yet, he partners with us. He calls us into this joyous experience of building with him so that the nations can come to know the joy of knowing God. Now I want us to look at these ordinary people very briefly this morning. Just four things about these ordinary people very quickly. Firstly, number one, these ordinary people built the section of the wall that was right outside of their home. And Nehemiah was a skilled people leader. He was good with people. And he got this, the walls built within 50, around 52 days. That's pretty good, eh? 52 days. Not even Dubai is that good, I don't think. And we're quick in Dubai, right? He built it in 52 days. But what Nehemiah did was he called people to build a section of the wall that was right outside of their home. You see, people were relocating from Persia, from Susa, and Nehemiah was calling people into Jerusalem to settle. But he understood that, just like you and me when we settled in Dubai, we have to live normal lives just to be here, don't we, in many ways. A lot of you right now are working to feed your families, to educate your kids, to keep yourselves here, to afford to be here. You're living normal lives. And these people were living normal lives. We see that the musicians were called from the homes that they had built. They were living life. The Levites, they were called from their homes. They were living normal life. Even the priests, most of the year they were farming, growing crops, living normal life. But still, they were building the wall. Still, they were building the piece of wall. So Nehemiah said to them, build what is right outside of your front door, as it were. Build a piece of wall that is right outside your door. I want to ask you a question this morning. Don't answer out loud. But just think to yourself, have you ever disqualified yourself from building and being part of this mission because you thought, you know, it's a big step it's too big a step for me to go from living my normal life to building a missional church. That's huge. That's too big a step. I can't abandon my kids. They need me. I can't quit my job. Have you ever disqualified yourself from being a part of this great project because you just think, you know what, I'm, too, I'm, bu I'm busy building normal life. This is just for the exceptional people. Well, Nehemiah called people to build the piece of wall right outside of their home. And very often, I think most of the time, our mission, our building, begins by just building the piece of wall that God has put right outside of our front door. 
right in front of our eyes? What is it that you see every day when you wake up and open the curtains? What is it that God has given you, put right in front of you, that you may not see right now, but God is saying, start there, begin there, build there, do that piece. It could be your neighbors across the street or across your building. Cammie and Connie have brought numbers of people that they've lived with into an experience of worship and knowing the Most High God because they've built that piece of wall right outside literally their front door. What is God putting right outside our front door now? Maybe it's in the schoolyard. Maybe it's in your community. Maybe it's joining and being part of a team in this church and just playing a small role right now. Don't disqualify yourself because you think this is way too big. I can't build these walls. Maybe God is asking you to build a piece of wall that is right outside of where you are right now. Ask God, what have you put right in front of me? Where do you want me to begin? Secondly, nothing was too small or insignificant for these people. Nothing was too small or insignificant for them. Earlier on in chapter 3, verse 5, we read a sad passage And it's talking about the different groups of people who were building their section of the wall. And in 3.5, it says this. Next to him, then, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. There were those who thought that building the city of God for the worship of God was beneath them. was too insignificant for them. These nobles, whoever they were, they felt like, no, this is not for us. This is, this is way below us. This is beneath us. This is too insignificant for us. Maybe they thought it would never lead to anything. Maybe they thought building this city, building this section of the wall would never lead to anything great, would never become anything significant. They looked down on it, and they would not put their back into building that part of the wall. Let me challenge us this morning. Whatever we do when it comes to building the church, building the city of God, building the kingdom, no matter how small, no matter how seemingly insignificant right now, is not insignificant when brought in line with the great purposes of bringing about the worship of the Most High God. It's not insignificant when brought into line with the great mission of bringing many into the experience of knowing, enjoying, and worshiping the King of Kings for eternity. Whatever it is that God has put in front of you right now, whatever it is that he's put in your hands, don't look down on it. Don't despise it. Don't think that it is insignificant. It is not in the purposes of God for the aim and the purposes of worship. In 31, verse 31, it says, Nehemiah says, I brought the people, he brought the people up onto the walls. He brought the leaders up onto the walls. They stood on the walls. And they would have stood and they would have looked out. And you know, when you're building your your section, you kind of, you know, when you're focused on something, you don't really see the big picture often, do you? I'm sure that was like that for some of them. But when they stood upon those walls and they saw this city, This city built for the worship of the Most High God. They would have seen the big picture. And one day, you and I, with a great multitude of people, will stand, as it were, on those walls. 
And we will look at what has been accomplished by faith and by the Spirit, and we will see that it was not insignificant. No matter how small your section, no matter how big, it was not insignificant. What happens here in the building of the church, in the building of the kingdom, is never insignificant. It is of eternal significance. You may look out in the world and think, that looks significant, this looks insignificant. Well, let me tell you, the eternal purposes of God are taking place right here, right now. And that is significant. Amen? They did not look down on what they were doing. They saw that it was significant. Thirdly, these people built well. They built well. When they put their efforts into it, they built really well. The outcome was good. Back in Nehemiah 4.3, Tobiah, if you remember rightly, was taunting these people. The people that had put their efforts into building this wall and this project, he was taunting them. And he said this, which is an interesting point to make, interesting quote. He says this, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Even a fox. In the UK, we get lots of foxes. Foxes are not that big. And they walk on walls, and they don't break walls down. But this guy is saying, what are they doing? If a fox ran on this wall, it would break it down. It is useless. What they are doing is worthless. But then later on, in 1231, we see Nehemiah bring the leaders, the musicians, the singers, two great choirs up onto the walls. And they walk these walls, and the walls do not fall down, do they? They built well. They built it well. You see, when we know, when we remember what it is we're building for, why it is we're building, why it is we're doing what we are doing, which is for the worship of the Most High God, we will build well. When we see the significance, the eternal significance of what we are doing, I believe we will build well. Let me challenge you today. Let me challenge all of us. Are we building well? Whatever it is that God's put in your hands, don't look down on it. Build it well. Whatever it is that God has given you to do, don't despise it, even if it's a small beginning. Build well, because it has eternal significance. You know, maybe God has put you in charge of a group of people in the city group right now. And you might think, you know what? Only four people turn up. This is, this is insignificant. Let me challenge you, build well, because it has eternal significance. Maybe God has put you in charge of a team or just in a team right now. Let me tell you, build well. Build well, because one day we will stand on these walls and we will look at what has been achieved. Build well. Now, maybe you're at home right now and you're raising kids, you're raising a family. Let me challenge you, build well. Raise kids that will come into the experience of knowing God and worshiping God. Build well. Husbands overseeing families, leading families, build families well. Build families that worship the Lord. Build well. If God has put you in charge of a team at work, build well. Do it to the glory of God. City Hill, let's build well. Next, they built sacrificially. They built sacrificially. These people, remember, many of them had left Persia. Now, back in those days, Persia was the center of everything that happened. 
Okay? Persia was the empire of the day. If it was cool, if it was happening, if it was world-changing, if it was culture-shaping, it was being done in Persia. Okay? A bit like many major cities around the world today. And Jerusalem, in comparison, was a building site not very well maintained in the middle of nowhere. Okay? It's a bit like moving from Dubai and living on a building site in somewhere you've never heard of and nobody else has heard of either. That's what it would have been like. These people sacrificed living in the center of excellence, as it were, from the world's point of view and giving their lives and settling themselves and putting themselves in a position of building in the middle of nowhere. Jerusalem was in ruins and it was not a good place to be. These people sacrificed and they went. When Fanner and I were in the UK um, this last summer, we went to visit my family, went to visit one of my sisters. And she now lives in Wales. She's moved from the UK to Wales, where we're all from originally. And uh, she and her husband, Matt, they have bought a house, quite a big house, because in Wales you can get a lot more from your, for your money than you can in the UK. And they are renovating it. And she's been telling me, we're renovating our house, come and stay. And, um, you know, when I think of renovation, sometimes I think of decoration, right? You paint the walls and you, I don't know, you put new carpets down, maybe change the bathroom suite. But they are seriously renovating, okay? They're getting rid of walls. They're getting, they got rid of the kitchen, the bathrooms. Everything was gotten rid of. And they were building from scratch. And we went and stayed with them. And we were fortunate enough to be staying in, like, one of the one rooms that had been finished, thank God. And, um, but the house was, in many ways, like a building site. And it only took about two days. And I began to miss our apartment in Dubai, which is just white walls, tiled floors, no mess, low maintenance, no stairs either, by the way. And I begin to miss that because living in a building site is not comfortable. I'd walk down the stairs in the morning, I'd try and go down quietly in their wooden old stairs, no carpet, and they were so loud. I began to think to myself, why aren't people in the UK fitter? There's stairs everywhere. But in Dubai, we're so much fitter, we don't have stairs. It was uncomfortable living in a building site. Those guys, they're sacrificing comfort right now in order that one day, when they finish this building project, they will live in a beautiful home. That's the plan, yeah? And these people in Jerusalem sacrificed living in the greatest city in the world to go and live in a building site and work really hard in order to bring about the worship of God in that city and the worship of God in the nations around. You know, the problem is these days, we live in the Instagram age, don't we? Hands up if you use Instagram. I'll be honest, I do. Okay, it's more than just five of you. You're not being honest. And the thing with Instagram is you can take a mediocre picture, and within five minutes, you can make it look great, can't you? You can do a selfie in the morning. Andrew's nodding because, I mean, check out Andrew's selfies on Instagram. They look beautiful. <laughs> you can take a mediocre picture, and you can make it look really good. And we look at Instagram, we think, wow, people's lives are shiny, beautiful, sorted. They look great, don't they? And you look around at your own life, and you think, what am I doing wrong? The problem is, we can have that view of the church as well in the Instagram age, right? In fact, you can look at churches on Instagram and you can think the church should be the most polished, shiny, put-together, perfect place on the planet. Let me tell you, that's not what church is like in reality. You see, these guys finished their building project. Our building project will not end until eternity comes about, okay? We will be building until eternity begins. It's like that in the church. It's like living in a perpetual building site at times. 
Honestly, you think you've got one thing sorted. We've got a worship team. We've got every <laughs> instrument. Brilliant. And someone leaves. Then someone else leaves. And you're like, okay, back to square one. And you build this team. And then suddenly half of those people leave. Or you put certain people in, into positions and people let you down. Or you begin to start a project and it gets nowhere. And, and you become frustrated. You start a city group and no one turns up, even though you make the best biryani in Dubai. And you think, what are we doing? When am I going to get to the point when it looks like this? Look, building churches sacrifice. They sacrifice comfort and ease. And we will be sacrificing and building and living in a perpetual building site until eternity comes about. That's church. That's what we do. That's why we build. And we do it so that many can come to know God, worship him, and so that God can be glorified and worshipped by multitudes for all eternity because that is what he deserves. Amen? The last bit of sacrifice is they sacrifice financially. Joe didn't read it because the passage is long, but right at the end you see that the people there, they gave in order to support the daily work, if you like, of that city. They gave. Now, this was a period of national crisis. It was a period of relative poverty, to be honest with you. And yet people sacrificially gave. They sacrificially gave. They said, we will sacrifice. We will give whatever it takes to turn Jerusalem into a city of worship. They gave sacrificially. And these were just normal people. They were not superheroes. They were not, you know, people that were exceptional, no different than you or I, really. And yet they gave themselves to building this city of worship so that God would be glorified and worshipped for all eternity. And the question I want to end with today is, how is that possible? How is it that we, like they, can sacrifice and give and work hard and build well to build a city for the worship of God here in this city and in cities all around the world so that God would have his glory. How is it that we do that? How is it that God is able to use normal people like us to achieve extraordinary things? I believe it happens only when worship is not only the aim, but worship is also the fuel that fuels our work and our building. It only happens when worship is not only the aim that we, the goal that we aim for, but worship is the place where we begin from and the place that we start at. It happens only when worship is the fuel that energizes us to do what God has called us to do. Let me briefly look at what I mean by this. Our building project will end in worship, only be successful if it begins in worship. We will only go the long haul if we begin in worship. And I believe that God wants us as a church, even in our times of corporate worship, to increasingly taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you believe that? I believe that he wants us to come together as a people and experience him in ways that we've not experienced him before, where we can say with confidence, taste and see that God is good. Or we can say to our city, taste and see that this God is good, that he is worthy of praise. Or we can be so full of joy that we can go to our city and say, come, experience this joy. Or we can go to the nations and say, experience the joy of knowing God and worshiping him forever. We need to begin from a place 
of beholding, meeting with, worshipping, experiencing, knowing, enjoying, relishing God for who he is in our lives. When we do that, we will then go and call the nations and call our cities into this same experience. It has to begin there. It has to begin in worship. When we ourselves are taken aback by the greatness and the awe and the majesty of God, we will want to call others into that same experience in verse 43, where joy is heard beyond the city, and on and on and on. You know, when it comes to building a church, when it comes to building the kingdom, when it comes to building a city for the worship of God, energy, resolve, passion, zeal, enthusiasm, they will only see us so far. They're all good things. They're all necessary. But on their own, they're not enough. They need to be brought into and coupled together with an experience of God in worship that fuels us to do what we are called to do. Energy, enthusiasm, zeal, resolve will not cut it on their own. We need to know and experience God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like, you know what, I'm just, I've just lost the enthusiasm for it? Have you ever felt like that? I was zealous two months ago. I don't feel so zealous right now. I don't feel so energized right now. I felt like that. That's normal. But unless we go back and experience God in worship, we will come to that place all the time. Have you ever, after a rousing message, said yes to something, and then got home and thought, hang on, no, I meant to say no. Why did I say yes? You know, unless we begin from a place of experiencing God, that will be our experience. Worship, the enjoyment of God, is the fuel for all that we need to do, for all that we have been called to do. It's only when we understand that God is of infinite worth, that all our pleasure can be found in Him, that He is so great, that our hearts are so fully satisfied in Him. It's only then that we will build long-term for the purpose of worship. If our passion for God is weak, our passion for building will also be weak. Let me tell you that right now. If your passion for God is weak, if your experience of God is weak, your experience in building the kingdom for the purpose of worship will also be weak. We need to taste and see by the power of the Spirit that the Lord is good. If we want to build missional churches, we need to experience the greatness of God ourselves in our lives. City Hill, it all begins and it all ends with worship. We build because of worship. We will build long-term because of worship and because of experience of God. Will you close your eyes with me? <clears throat> I want you just to take a moment. The band is going to come back up, by the way, band, worship team. Luke is just going to play pads for us. And before we move on to the last bit of our meeting, I just want us to take a moment, just a moment, to come before God, just as individuals right now, to, to come before God and to 
Just ask the question, God, where am I at with you right now? Just ask him that question. Holy Spirit, where am I at with you right now? What is my walk with you like? What is my experience of you like? Do you find it difficult to say yes to the big things of God? Maybe it's because you've not experienced the big God yet. Just ask him right now, God, where am I at with you? Just listen to him for a moment. God, is my heart full of the joy that comes with knowing you? Well, my dry because I'm trying to do this all by myself. Does my energy and my zeal come from a place of, of knowing you, of meeting with you, of tasting and seeing that you are good? Or is it just because I feel like I need to do this? Just ask him. If that's you right now, if you feel like, you know what, yeah, the way in which I build, yeah, it's totally in line with where I'm at with God, because where I'm at with God is not brilliant right now. If that's you, just, just ask him to come and touch you right now. Just ask him to come by his spirit and meet with you. Because like I said earlier, I believe that the spirit of God wants to give us encounters with him that will transform and shape us and energize us to build. Just ask him to come and meet with you and to touch you right now. Let's pray. Father God, well, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that your word is so true. You are so great. You are so majestic. You are so beautiful. You are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of the worship of the nations. When we look at the cross and we see what you did on the cross, our hearts respond and say, Father God, Jesus, you deserve your reward because you are so great. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We say this morning that you deserve your reward. You deserve the worship of the nations. You deserve the adoration of the nations. You deserve it. And I pray right now that you would come and meet with each and every one of us. I pray by your spirit, would you encounter us as a people and as a church right now? May worship and adoration be the fuel that fuels us to build. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We just applaud Jesus. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.